Well, uh, first I'd like to say thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, if you would, again, open your Bibles to Galatians 5. Um, and we're going to talk about faithless tonight. Um, our verses are the same as they have been. It's Galatians 5, 22 um, through 23. I'm going to read all the way through 25. So I'll let you turn there for a second. So Galatians 5, 22 um, through 24 and 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, thank you for this evening where we can come and gather to worship you. God, we thank you for being a faithful God, for being one who uh, doesn't react differently to us when we sin, Lord, but rather you have been faithful to us despite all of our sins, Lord. And we are so incredibly thankful for that. So now, God, as we open your uh, word and we look to see what it has to say about faithfulness, uh, as we look to see what a great example of faithfulness is and how we can imitate that, God, I pray that um, you will bless this time, Lord, and um, that you will communicate clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, I listened to and I've heard uh, you know, all of these other sermons that have gone before us, and I'm doing something a little slightly different. I, as I was considering faithfulness and wondering how on earth am I going to talk about one word, uh, I began to think, I, I need an example. I need someone to look at. I need a, a figure in the Bible that I can look at and say, that guy, man, he was faithful. You know? And so as I tossed it around and I was reading um, through one of the Gospels, naturally, I, I came across uh, the passage where Jesus began, began, begins to pray. He begins to pray in the garden before he dies. And there, it, it, all of a sudden, I read that. I was like, there, there it is. Here's an example of faithfulness. So for really the majority of this uh, sermon, I'm going to be in Matthew 26. Um, but right, right before we get there, I just want to consider um, what is faithfulness? Uh, have you ever known somebody, or can you think of a person who's like, man, that guy is faithful? You know, it might be in a job. Maybe, for example, this guy shows up every single day and he does exactly what's expected of him. He's always on time, he's always doing his work, he's turning in everything right on time, you know? And he's faithful to do it. Man, we love those people, don't we? Don't we just love to be around people who are consistent, committed? We know we can count on them. We, we, we go and ask, hey, will you do this for me? He's like, they're going to do it. It's like, that's awesome. It's such a good thing to have a faithful friend or a faithful coworker or just anyone around us who is faithful. And I began thinking about that and I began wondering, well, what makes that person faithful? Like, what, what are the aspects, you know, of, of faithfulness? And I, and I Maybe I came to the conclusion that faithfulness really has two kind of sides that you can't separate so much. One is a relational side. You know, you can't be faithful to nothing. You know, if, if you were, I guess you could be faithful to nothing, but in a sense, if you are faithful to something, there must be something you are faithful to. Does that make, make sense? So there's this relational idea there. But also, there's this idea of, like, well, well what, 
constitutes that faithfulness. It's a committedness. It's a, uh, I'm going to use the word obedience. You know, like we, we are obedient or we are, to God in our faithfulness, we are obedient to him. However, uh, maybe to a spouse or a friend or something, it's just, it's this idea of sometimes like exclusivity. It's like, I'm going to be committed and obedient and submissive and faithful to you and you alone. And, you know, and, that, and that's the two ways in which I am thinking about faithfulness tonight. And so, specifically, like I said, I needed an example because I was wondering how on earth am I going to go from here. So, the way uh, that example, of course, is Jesus. Um, like I said, I'm primarily going to be in Matthew 26, but I'm going to mention a little bit out of uh, Matthew 3 and Matthew 4 really quick. All right. So first, that idea of faithfulness to God requires obedience. Okay, that's what I'm thinking about here. In Matthew um, 5, 17, uh, we're, we're in the story of where Jesus um, comes to be baptized. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 3, 13 through 17, Matthew comes to be baptized. Sorry, I misspoke on that. So Matthew 3, I'm going to read this starting, Matthew 3, verse 13 reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, uh, I need to be baptized by you, and do you not come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus here is being faithful to fulfilling all that was said about him. Jesus is being obedient to the Father, for the Father has sent him to complete all of the law for us. And here in his baptism, that's just a very quick example of how Jesus is being faithful through obedience. And a little, and continuing on now, I said there's a second side of faithfulness. You know, you have obedience and you also have this relational idea, right? And so just in the next chapter of Matthew, in Matthew 4, um, we see the temptation of Jesus, right? And I won't read this whole passage here for us, but, but we know what happens, right? Uh, Jesus is fasting uh, for 40 days and for 40 nights, and then he comes to a point, and then Satan comes to him and begins to tempt him. He, Satan ultimately is coming so that Jesus would worship him, or Jesus would do anything that would disqualify himself as uh, being perfect, but we come to the end of it here, and um, Jesus says in verse 10 um, and 11, he says, Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and, only shall you, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. You see, Jesus didn't do these things. In fact, he quoted scripture here to say that, listen, I am committed to this relationship I have with the Father. And that is, he is the one to whom I am faithful. You know? And so he's, not, he's going to obey the Father by not worshiping Satan there. And so those are really two very, very quick um, examples to say that faithfulness does have, it has obedience in it, and it has this relationship idea, and you can't take them apart. You can't really divide those two. But as I said, the, when I was reading in Matthew 26 um, about a couple weeks ago, I, man, it just jumps off the page to me. 
I was just like, this is amazing. Jesus is so incredibly faithful to us, and so incredibly faithful to what the Father, really, he's incredibly faithful to us and to the Father, what the Father had sent Jesus here to do. Um, and so I'm going to start reading, I'm in Matthew 26, I'm going to start reading in verse um, 36 here. I'm sorry I'm having you flip all around, but this, I, we'll stop right here. It says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I'm going a little farther. And, he fell on his, and then going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then he came to his disciples, and he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me an hour? Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep, take your rest, sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Arise and let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand. Okay, so I'm stopping here for a moment. As we read that passage, this is the passage that I read that just jumped off the page at me. I couldn't believe it again as I read these words where Jesus says that my soul is so sorrowful, even to death. And then he goes on, and he, this is his prayers, that God, Father, if it's possible, please let this pass from me. But if not, your will be done. Have you ever come to a point in your life, have you ever been trying to hold on to, you've been trying to hold on to what the Bible has taught us, to what you know to be true, to to been holding on to the Christian life, and you've come to a point, and it's felt incredibly weighty. You know, it's felt hard. And you've come to a point, and you said, like, man, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do, God. This is, this is heavy. Can you take this away? Have you ever done that? Because here, even Jesus has prayed, God, if, if there's any other way, please let it happen. But he says, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus here is faithful in that, that last line, but you're really be done, points out the faithfulness of Jesus. Faithfulness doesn't mean we have to lie to ourselves. It doesn't mean we have to say that God, it doesn't mean that we have, we go into a situation that is uncomfortable. We go into a situation because, or we set ourselves, uh, we set ourselves away from uh, someone else because they are not being faithful to the Bible says. Now, sometimes we'll do that, right? And when we do, it puts us into this situation where we feel alone. You know, we feel like, man, like I, I, they don't like me. They're not, they, they say that I'm not their friend because of this. Well, and we might begin to think to ourselves, like, God, like, is there, is there anything I could still be, be their friend, you know? Um, but ultimately, ultimately, Jesus gives us an example here and says that, but, you know, if that's not the way, you know, if I can't be reconciled with those people because I'm not going to act like them, 
God, your will be done. Lord, and make me follow you, make me love you, and I will follow you regardless, regardless of what this means for me next. And then so, you know, he goes out and he talks to the disciples and they're awake, uh, or they're asleep, and he said, guys, wake up, you know, pray, don't fall into temptation. And he goes again, and he prays the same thing. He prays the same thing, saying the same words, Father, if it can't pass unless I drink it, then your will be done. So this prayer is slightly different, isn't it? You know, he's, he's prayed the first time that, God, if there's anything else that can happen, please let that happen. But I'm going to do whatever it is you desire. And his second one, his second uh, prayer says, God, if this, is the only thing, if this is the only way it can happen, then your will be done. Then I'm going to do it. You see, Jesus here is remaining faithful. He's remaining faithful to what the Father had sent him here to do. And that, to me, jumped out and really, frankly, blew my mind. I couldn't believe the fact that Jesus, who is Lord of all, who has power over everything, you know, he could call down angels, which we're going to read in a second. He could call down, to call to his Father, and anything else could happen. But the Father had a plan. The Father had a plan set in place, and Jesus had a role, you know, and Jesus stuck to that. And so I'm going to read on, starting in verse 47. Uh, this is the actual betrayal of Jesus now, and we're going to see how Jesus stays faithful in this. It says, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. Then he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then he came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? How then, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? Wow. And so this is what I just alluded to a second ago, that Jesus had the power in all this situation. He had the power to call up to God and say, God, save me from this. Stop this. Send down your angels and we can handle this a different way. But he didn't. Because he said, well, how else is this going to be fulfilled? How else will man be saved? How else will God carry out the plan for salvation that he, has ex that he has ordained since the beginning of time? And so Jesus here, even in his betrayal, even as Jesus is being captured and being prepared to be carried off to the cross, being carried off into just humiliation, what does he do? He humbles himself first, and he remains faithful to the fact God has a role for him. You know, God the Father had a, had a role for Christ, and Christ came to fulfill that, and he was going to. In fact, in, as soon as his disciples tried to get up and get in the way of that by fighting, Jesus said, what are you doing? Stop it. That's not going to work. Now let me do what I came here to do. And so Jesus was faithful there to us. I think that, um, you know, I appreciate the fact that Jesus said this to us in um, verse 55. Uh, 
or see in verse, it might be 54, 54, sorry. But it says, but how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be? So he just flat out said, he's like, listen, I'm here to do this. This was spoken of me and I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm thankful for that because it gives me this clear view of what faithfulness looks like in our lives, you know? Because Josh kind of said it this morning to us. He was talking about calling. And if you weren't here this morning, I encourage you to go listen to that sermon. But, you know, we've, we've all been called to a couple of things. Uh, if you're a Christian, you've been called, you've been called out as a Christian. Uh, and, and a couple of other ways, you know, some people are, are, are called to church ministry. Other people are called to be uh, office workers and bus drivers and taxi cab drivers. And those are great and wonderful things. And I think it's interesting that here, you know, Jesus had a role to fulfill. Jesus had the role to complete all of the law. He was doing everything that we couldn't do so that way we could trust in him and then be saved by that, right? Well, all of us also, we have a role, you know? Like right now, one of my roles currently is to be a student. And as I think about how can I be faithful to God in the role that God has put me in right now, you know? Well, one... I can study really hard, and I can try to do well in my Greek class. You guys, like, how can you be faithful in your position? Maybe you, you know, maybe you're a driver. Maybe you just work. At, maybe you work in an office, and you think, how can I be faithful to God in my office? Well, you can use company time really well. You can be efficient. You can work on the things that you're supposed to be working on. You know, I think sometimes, uh, I've, uh, as I've worked in office, just like very, very little. You know, it's really easy to be uh, distracted by whatever it is, you know, maybe Facebook or just talking to someone in the office. Those aren't necessarily bad things, but we can be faithful to God in our job, is what I'm trying to say, by doing it well, by, by completing our task with integrity, and by completing our task uh, in a way in which is efficient, in a way in which glorifies God because we're, we're doing it rightly and we're working hard, you know. And those are ways that we can be faithful there. And it's, I was gl- I'm glad that Jesus basically told us here, it's like, I had a role to fulfill, you know? And so I hope that we mirror that there. Uh, we also have an example of what maybe I'll call temporary faithlessness uh, looks like. Because in this passage, as you keep, as you keep reading in verse um, 56, reads, but all this had taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled, and then all the disciples left him and fled. Wow. Uh, so as I read this passage, I thought to myself almost instantly, man, that's me. How many of us, in the face of something scary, in the face of something that we don't like, in the face of something like that, we have run before. You know, I'm not saying this has happened to us every time, and I'm not saying that this is a marker of our lives, but haven't we done it at least once, maybe twice? I have. Uh, I read that, and I thought to myself, it's like, man, like that, that's me. Luckily and thankfully, I'm encouraged by the fact that we can continue reading into the this, this passage in Matthew, we can continue reading in Matthew and the rest of the Bible, and we know that these disciples came back. We know that they, that they didn't just like run away forever, but, but rather faithfulness, you know, sure, 
as I think this is what, what this says, is that those who are faithful still sin. I think that's what we can take away from the fact that the disciples ran away here. They, were, they ran away and they were scared and they weren't, they, they, they weren't faithful in that very moment. But if you look at their lifetime, these are the fathers of our faith. These are the men who went out and found people and shared the gospel with them. And they went and taught all that Jesus had done and they taught all that Jesus was about to they, they don't know it yet, but all that he's about to do, you know? And they came back, and they were faithful to the end. And then ultimately, uh, we know that Jesus completes, that Jesus is ultimately faithful to God in the role that God had set before him in his crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, we know in Matthew 28, uh, we, that's where we read one of the crucifixion, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 28 is the resurrection in uh, Matthew 27, we read one of the crucifixion stories. Um, and as Jesus is hanging there and he's, he's, he's mocked by, in verse 40, he's mocked by a, a man to one of his sides. And the man tells him, uh, you who would, excuse me, he says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. That's the sign over him. And one man says, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. And if he desires him, if he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. So Jesus is being mocked here, and we know from the previous passage that I just mentioned in his prayer that Jesus could bring himself down. He could say, God, send down legions of angels and deliver me from this, but he stays faithful in the face of mocking. He stays faithful and completes that role. And then ultimately, he is resurrected. Jesus does raise from the dead, overcoming sin. Now, I know that's a really, really, really fast way of looking at almost three chapters, four chapters at the end of Matthew. And maybe some of you are wondering, like, man, but does faithfulness mean that I'm, like, does faithfulness mean that there's only going to be bad stuff? Because, I mean, look at Jesus. You know, he was faithful to the end, and what happened? He was crucified, right? Well, no, faithfulness does not mean that our lives will be hard, but I'm saying that faithfulness, in the, that we can learn a whole lot from Jesus and how incredibly faithful he was in the face of all of these things. Some things we learn from him in this passage is one that faithfulness is unrelenting, uh, he doesn't waver, and he clings to the one to who he is faithful. Remember, faithfulness has this relational aspect, right? And so as Jesus was having all of these, as, as everything that was occurring, uh, his betrayal, you know, his death, as all these things were happening, what was he doing? He, he clinged to the Father. He prayed to God, you know. He knew what was coming. What does he do? He goes and he prays and he says, God. You know, what, what do I do? Or what can I do? Is there any other way? And if not, then still your will be done. He's not going to the Father and saying, all right, I'm done. He's not going to that. But rather, he's, he, he's clinging to him and saying, like, I know you, Father. I know you are the one who knows what is right. And so what can we do? How can we be faithful to other, how, others? How can we be faithful to God when we cling to him? You know? Because our life isn't, I'm not trying to say that faithfulness will only lead 
to bad news. But when that bad news does come, because it will, when it gets here, how do we get through it? We cling to the Father. We cling to Him, and that is an example of faithfulness. And what are some practical ways we can do that? Well, one, we pray. You know, that's the first thing that we read here that Jesus did. He prayed, you know. Uh, Oftentimes, I, I, I confuse these, and I put these kind of backwards. They, they should go together, but I, the second one I'm going to say is read scripture. And oftentimes I jump to reading scripture. And I'm trying to say, God, what on earth are you trying to tell me? What on earth can I do here? But sometimes I forget to stop and just pray for a minute, you know? How many of us do that? I think a faithful follower of Christ and a faithful Christian prays. He stops and he prays. Second, he does read scripture because that is the word of God. It is the full counsel of God, and we can learn from that. We can find out what God has for us and how we can, uh, and it'll tell us how we can proceed, you know? Uh, we can have fellowship with others. We can cur- encourage each other. Um, we can confess our sins to God and to other believers. All of these things are marks of a faithful person. Uh, next, I, I have we can, that we could that faithfulness to God is obedient to God. Think about as I think about this. How on earth can a child maybe be faithful to their parent? You know, because oftentimes a child, a parent doesn't depend on the child. You know, a, a, a parent doesn't really need this the child to provide the child's not bringing in any sort of income or any sort of shelter any sort of food but if we want to but if that child wants to be faithful to the parent they can obey you know how else can we be faithful to god can we be faithful to god by providing him with food if god wanted to eat would he tell us no but rather we can be faithful to him by obeying him you know, we have, as I said, like we can read the scriptures. Well, in the scriptures, it, it, it has plenty of instruction on how we can live our life. You know, in Exodus, we have the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's simple. You know, we can obey that. We have all the Proverbs. It tells us how wise living. We can be faithful to him by being obedient to him. And so, I guess a, a question that I, I have for all of us, including myself, is it's like when you, when you think about faithfulness, we, we often sing songs, and I, I love so much that Kevin played that, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because that, it, that song perfectly embodies this idea that I am thinking about tonight, that how, how, great, how greatly faithful Jesus was to us, he was to the Father. Uh, and, and, and as I think about that, the question that I have is, is do you desire a close, a close relationship, a faithful relationship to God, to the king of the universe who has sought us and bought us? Man, as I, as I think about that question, I, I think that desire is part of faithfulness, you know, uh, because if you're going to be faithful to someone, you have to, des- in a sense, you have to desire to be. You know, we, there is this desire of, I want to be near you. I want to be with you. And I want to do the things that make you happy. And I want to do the things that make you, that, that make you know that I love you. you know? And I think that desire is a, is a part of faithfulness. As I've already alluded to and have, have tried to say that there's not the full 
Um, it is not the full, maybe, meaning of this sermon, but faithfulness doesn't promise easiness always. You know, we can be, there's often, and we, we have seen in, um, in, throughout history, that faithful men have, pers- have been persecuted. Faithful men have suffered great things. Jesus here, our example tonight, suffered greatly here on earth uh, because of his faithfulness to us and his faithfulness to the Father. Um, you know, there's an infinite number of ways that this can manifest itself. Right now, maybe, uh, in our culture, we won't say you won't stand for a couple of things. You won't vote a certain way on a number of items because you think that's against what I believe, you know. Uh, well, society's going to cast us out. And society's going to say, hey, you're not tolerant of this. You're not, uh, you're, you're not modern enough. You know, you're just thinking in an old way of thinking. But, and so... It, it, it can it show itself in other ways too. Maybe you, there's a group of guys at work who like to go out on, on the weekends and uh, have a drink or two, but you won't do it. You know, you won't associate yourself with those guys. And because of that, you're, out, you're an outcast at work. They don't really talk to you, or they do talk to you, and they talk to you in a way in which isn't exactly fair, maybe, or isn't exactly kind. Uh, maybe you don't talk the same way as them because you, you won't let your speech sound so crude, you know. Uh, faithfulness can set us apart, and, and frankly, it should, you know. Faithfulness is something that does mark us different. It makes us look different than everyone else, and that's a good thing. That, that, that shows the change in your life. It shows the goodness that God is putting into your life. There can be times when However, there can be times when all those things kind of pile up on us. Uh, they get heavy and they hurt, and, and we, we begin to think that um, God is this faithfulness worth it. We begin to think that the faithfulness is, is is staying committed to you through all of this. Is staying committed to you, like worth it. And God gives us a lot of promises in the Bible to faithfulness, to stay and remain faithful. I'm just, don't, please don't try to return to all these. Um, I'm just going to read them out to you. Uh, Matthew 24, 13 says, He who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 5, 11 through 12 says, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Matthew 19, 29 says, No one has left anything for my sake and for the Gospels. Who will not receive back a hundredfold? 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, This slight momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so, in those hard times, when those hard times do come, stay faithful, because there's something Big, something way better coming, you know? There's something way, way better coming for you. And if not in this life, then in the next. Now, as I turn back to our base passage tonight, as I'll call it, in Galatians. And so we looked at Jesus as our example of faithfulness, and we saw how he was faithful through all of those things, and how he stayed faithful to that, uh, stayed faithful to what God, God had called him to. Um, just so we're reminded, you know, like, what exactly are we staying faithful again to? Uh, this is it. In verse 24, or I'll, I'll read all of our verses in Galatians again. 
It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're faithful to Christ. We're faithful to him. Why? Because we belong to him. We are his. We are bought by his blood. And all of our passions and all of our old way of life has been crucified now on the cross. And my last little point is that faithfulness is not far off from us. It's not something we can't obtain. It's not something we can't do. And that, that, that's evident in this passage here in Galatians in of itself. It's telling us that the fruit of the Spirit are these things, right? The fruit of the Spirit. One of those fruit is faithfulness. This is not something that you become a Christian, you're like, man, now I hope I can be faithful. It's saying, if you are a Christian, this happens to you. This comes up in your life, you know? This is, it, it may not be quick. Josh gave us an example this morning of how somebody was, uh, became a believer and they instantly, from that point forward, quit cursing, right? I know some people who have become believers and from that point forward kept cursing for a little while. And, you know, uh, but, but eventually, sometimes, I know some believers who uh, were into a whole lot deeper messes, you know, and it took a long time to get out of the messes. It, does, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but these things grow in us, right? And, and, we, can, and we can help those grow. We can water them. They're fruits. I mean, we can give them sunlight and water them. How do we do that? Again, we pray. We can be around other believers, encourage one another. We can read, read, and read, and read our Bibles and grow this in us because it is not too far from us. It is not too far for you at all because Jesus is, for those who trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in you and he is enabling you to have all of these things, including faithfulness. He is enabling you to be faithful to God your Father in obedience. And that is a wonderful, wonderful encouragement. And I think something that we should not miss by the simple fact that it's telling us that it is a fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit that abides in us and that lives in us. And why is that possible? Because of all the story that I read, the story that we just looked through together of Jesus and his prayer and then being betrayed, being crucified and resurrecting. Why is it possible? It's possible because he completed everything that was required of human faithfulness. We needed Jesus to be faithful, and he was. And that's why I thought it was, it jumped out of the screen at me because he was so faithful. He kept the he kept the requirement of human faithfulness for us, and because of that, we now can be faithful. I pray that all of us will trust in that tonight, that when we look into our Bibles and we read about Jesus and all that he did, we see just how faithful he was, despite the fact that he could have stopped it if he wanted to, but he willfully remained faithful to us, and because of his faithfulness, we now trusting in Jesus with the Holy Spirit in us can be faithful back to him. So if you would, just pray, for, pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your, your, your amazing love. The fact that you did not, you did not turn away, you did not pass the cup, but rather you drank it fully 
and completely for us. And, the fa- and thank you for completing all that was required of the law, all that was required of human faithfulness. So now we are enabled and we are able to do that through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.